One of the readings for this week is from John chapter 3, and it's an often quoted Bible passage that you may have heard before if you've been in and around church life at all. Um, And it starts like this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And a central thesis of the Christian faith is essentially if we want to know what God is like and correspondingly how he loved, then we need only look to Jesus. And a lot of Jesus' teachings come from what we know as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters kind of four and five and six. And uh, I don't know if you've read much of these teachings, but they're actually quite confronting and they're really quite challenging. His teaching on love is, at least I find it, highly confronting. And uh, Dallas Willard, who's a poet and a writer and an agriculturalist and a conservationist, um, uh, offers this great contemporary translation from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, and it goes like this. What's so great if you only love those who love you? Terrorists do that. If that's all your love, in inverted commas, amounts to, God certainly is not involved. Or suppose you are friendly to our kind of people. Well, so is the mafia. In other words, if we only love people who align to our cause, if we only love people who are like-minded, if we only love people who look like us and think like us and uh, confirm our biases, what he's saying is that we're no better than terrorists or the mafia. I kind of think it doesn't get much more in your face than that. Uh, A love that embraces the least, a love that embraces the other, a love that embraces the oppressed and the oppressor is the love that God teaches and embodies. And for me, I I think this is radical love. This this is what our call as Christians is supposed to be, to, to love God, to love our neighbors as ourselves, and to love our enemies is quite radical. And it's radical because it's extreme and it's uncommon and it's really, really difficult. It's hard to do that stuff. It's far easier to have and to kind of demonstrate, um, as Dallas Willard puts it, this kind of mafia love, this this love that is uh, the antithesis almost of enemy love. It's, uh, you know, mafia is about family and about loyalty and and sometimes it's about control and it's this sense of I've got your back and and you've got my back and even if on occasion uh, when those lines are crossed then that's okay because there's a level of forgiveness and yeah, 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 to the point, you know, forget about it. What does he say? What is it? I'm not very good at it either. You know, it's still a, a level, a level. In contrast, though, enemy love, enemy love is kind of completely unreasonable. It's just unreasonable. It's, it's especially unreasonable, uh, I think, when we hold to uh, concepts of ultimate depravity and ultimate evil. And there's this sense, I think, that we have that we can kind of benchmark evil. We can kind of quantify it and we can qualify it and uh, we can determine and we can then justify who it's okay not to love because they kind of cross that line 
that we go, well, we can't love those people. You know, we can kind of draw this line and we can uh, create archetypes such as Hitler and Pol Pot and uh, we can kind of draw lines that we can extend uh, our love to and then kind of anything beyond that is, is kind of unreasonable and almost advisable to withdraw our love from. But I kind of was thinking about this this week and, and I've been reading uh, a German-born Jewish uh, political theorist and philosopher by the name of Hannah Arendt and um, she kind of poses the question, what, what if evil is not so stark? What if evil is not so spectacular? What, what if it's far more banal? And uh, she, um, Hannah Arendt, basically her research came out of uh, post-World War II. Uh, she fled uh, Nazi Germany, but then she returned uh, for the war crime trials and through the course of that research, for the, through the course of witnessing the trials, through the course of uh, talking to uh, some of the people that were on trial for horrendous crimes, she came to a very kind of uncomfortable and a quite different understanding and concept of evil. What she expected to find was that these people were monsters, that radical evil absolutely exists, that these people were completely depraved that uh, the, the perpetrators of war crimes, people who uh, coordinated trainloads of people uh, into Nazi death camps, had to be truly evil. But what she learned and what she came to understand was quite unsettling. Because on the whole, these were very ordinary, very seemingly normal family men who seemed to live relatively normal lives. What she learned was that Evil is far less radical and uh, far more almost this function of thoughtlessness, uh, a tendency of very seemingly ordinary people to essentially obey orders and to uh, conform to mass opinion without any kind of critical evaluation of the consequences of their actions. And so what she determined is that evil is actually far more about authority and allegiance and that evil is very much more the result of a lack of empathy and a lack of perspective and this kind of inherent willingness and this desire to blindly follow authority or ideology. And so through this research, she coined the phrase, the banality of evil. And kind of in reading this, to me, it makes sense. Evil is very often the consequence of blind allegiance to, to anyone or anything that has authority. It's often this sense of a blind allegiance to, to ideologies and to beliefs. And, and it kind of explains to me why so much evil has been done in the name of God and why so much evil has been done in and through the church. Because often we have this blind allegiance without question. And then if you combine that with a lack of empathy or this sense that some people have more value or some people are less human than other people, then uh, this kind of blind certainty and this uh, adherence to ideology at all costs can be a very dangerous and a very destructive force. Similarly, if we kind of have, um, if addiction has authority in our life or uh, a history of violence has authority in our life or uh, bitterness and unforgiveness has authority in our life, then that too can kind of result in evil. And so I guess 
as students of Jesus, uh, our goal is really ultimately to learn to be like him. Jesus is very clear. Our goal is to love and to be known by our love. Um, but you kind of have to ask, well, what is our method for achieving that? What, how do we do that? Is that even possible? You know, radical love is radical. And for me, uh, part of that really kind of comes down to our understanding of who Jesus is. And so if we believe that Jesus embodies radical love, then we kind of have this starting point. This is kind of the foundation for what we do and how we act and the foundation for our faith. If, if we believe that Jesus was welcoming, if we believe that Jesus was inclusive, if we believe that Jesus uh, modelled servant leadership rather than authoritarianism, then we kind of have this very clear framework from which we can begin. And I think the way to begin really is just kind of presenting as we are trying to be honest and open and being honest about our flaws and being honest about our brokenness and being okay uh, with not having all the answers, being okay with doubt as much as faith. Because if the heart of the banality of evil is a lack of empathy and a lack of perspective, then it kind of stands to reason that empathy and perspective then inform love. And... I think a really important uh, asset to have as a person is this capacity to be able to walk in someone else's shoes, to, to kind of somehow view our enemies as human and to take this call to, to love even to those who hate us um, in such a way that it kind of becomes a marker of the true humanity in us because... I think even in our difference and even in our otherness, we can, if, if we're really genuine and we really want to, we can kind of begin to find some common ground. And so these concepts of radical love and this concept of the banality of evil, I kind of wonder what it would look like if, if our households and our streets and our communities and our nation and our world... Um, could kind of grasp these concepts, could enact these concepts. I wonder what it would look like if we could more readily uh, refuse polarisation that we see everywhere around us increasingly. I wonder what it would look like if we could kind of live in the tension of uncertainty and be willing to embrace faith and doubt and science and mystery and conversation and forgiveness. If we could be kind of willing to find... Uh, the humanity in every single person we encounter and find that common ground. Now, I know that sounds absolutely idealistic, uh, radical even, uh, but I also know that for me personally that this is my greatest challenge, that uh, I find it very easy to draw lines and boxes around people that I should engage with and that I don't need to engage with because, well, they've just got it wrong. And so most days, if I'm really honest... I struggle to love my neighbour, let alone my enemy. And so my hope and my prayer for this week is that uh, we might pursue radical love, that in that pursuit that we would seek to embrace empathy, that we would somehow seek to walk in someone else's shoes and, and really try and see the world from a new perspective, that, that we would recognise that, that evil is often quite banal, that it's kind of just there at our doorstep, 
but it's very easy to kind of do nothing and allow kind of evil to take place. And that often this kind of sense of blind allegiance to, to ideologies and authorities without being willing to ask questions um, is a real problem. And we really need to start to find the humanness in everyone around us. So that's my prayer, that, that we would love the world as it talks about in John 3, 16 and 17, and, and that we would seek uh, the best for humanity and the best for creation. Amen. Amen.